This uh, mini-podcast is taken from this week's Scottish Women's Football Podcast. This solely focuses on the national side. Um, since record, a, a couple of important points of note. Uh, first of all, I'm Chris Marshall. Hi, how are you doing? Um, Scotland under-19s won again, uh, and the uh, under-17s also won against Slovenia. And I, in this part of the podcast, I go on a rant about how the rugby game and the football game are on at the same time in Edinburgh. That's not true. I was going to take it out, but I thought, nah, I, I, let's just leave it in. I own the mistake, but there's still lots of things that could have been done to promote the game better. Uh, if you haven't listened to it before, I'm again joined by Campbell Finlayson, who helps uh, with Scottish women's football, as I do, and hopefully you enjoy it. And of course, I'll plug it at the end of the podcast, I'm going to plug it now. If you've got time, get to the game, it's only £5, it's at Easter Road, and Scotland will, will probably win, which is pretty sound. So let's move on from domestic action and... Turn our focus to the national side. Um, before we talk about the, the game on Friday night, the under-19s were playing on the day of record, uh, Tuesday afternoon. They got a good result, Campbell, 2-0. They're over in Northern Ireland for a couple of friendlies. A 2-0 win. Um, Francesca Ovegui, uh, one of two Dundee, uh, Dundee, one of two Aberdeen players called up, along with Ailey Shore, scoring the opener, and then Kirsty McIntosh of Hamilton scoring the second. Um, obviously, the under-19s uh, hosted the European Championships during the summer. Uh, they've lost Amy Muir and Jamie Lee Napier. They've had to step up, and they've stepped up probably a lot quicker than we expected, um, which we'll come on to. Uh, but it's a good result to see, and you can put, sometimes place too much weight in youth results, but in women's football, because of that that jump that you have at the moment, seeing that kind of progression is always good. Yeah, even some of the players coming in to the squad as well that haven't been there before, obviously the two players from Aberdeen, the Ogilvy and Show that you mentioned, Hey, Aisha Mon at Hearts as well as another one that hasn't really been there too often. So it's good to see that as much as players like Napier and Muir, who are obviously a big loss for the under-19s, but it's good to see there's other players that can come up and take their place. And it's a great win over Northern Ireland. Obviously, still will play them again. And hopefully everyone in the squad will get a bit of game time. Um, I was discussing with Ben Kearney as well at Ravenscraig there on Sunday. Only problem, with, as you're talking about, the sort of development here is once these players leave the 19s, are they then going? As there should be another, should there sort of be another level between the first team? Because I mean, Jamie Lee Napier and Amy Muir obviously both get called up, but is that only due to the injuries, or should there be another level for these sort of players to go up and keep progressing? And then that way, there's more of a pathway for them into the first team, and could that help Scotland for qualification at major tournaments in the future? Well, yeah, because you've got this under twenty level, so you have the under twenty World Cup, and that's kind of obviously the next the next team. And Scotland don't have a a horse in that race, for want of a better term. Um, when they were when they were talking um, previewing the Glasgow City Hibs game when the season returned, I think it was Grant Scott. If it's not Grant, it would have been Scott Booth. Um, mentioned the fact that there's a need to look at the pathway, and pathways is a big buzzword in, in football in general at the moment. And I think that's maybe something that that with this funding cloud that's hanging over everything that Scottish fo- uh, women's football at the moment, um, it's certainly something that maybe needs to be looked at. But You've mentioned it already, Campbell, so let's talk about it. Um, Friday night, Scotland are playing Cyprus in their first Euro 2021 qualifier. We're going to do a, a bit of a, a deep dive into the kind of the group and have a wee chat about the squad in, in general. But let's talk about the SWPL because that's what we cover in the main at the moment. And uh, Jamie Lee Napier and Amy Miller were both called up to the squad. Um, the, the announcement time was weird. Uh, so we were, I was obviously at Orion uh, on Sunday and as the game was progressing, a tweet went out from the Scotland national team to say they'd been called up. Um, obviously it turned out after speaking to Jamie after the game that she knew in advance um, but it just kind of showed the disconnect from between what's happening in the SFA and what's happening domestically because really should that take be going out during a game where both players are playing in especially a game where unfortunately Amy Muir got injured and has had to pull out the squad but 
That's net. Well, it's, well, including Amy, it would have been nine, but it's eight representatives from the SWPL in the squad. Um, five from Glasgow City, three from Hibs. Um, I mean, that's good to see, but it's, it's obviously disappointing for Amy. But it's great to see this this progression we've just been talking about happening. I don't know if they'll get if they, Jamie will get game time, but it can only be a good experience for her getting that call up. Yeah, she'll be delighted. I mean, it's, it's well deserved as well. I've watched Hibs as often as we both have this scene. She's always a player that stands out for them. So, and as well for the under 19. So it's good to see that as much as there is no pathway that we're really talking about there, that Shirley Kerr still realises that she is a good enough player to be called up to the squad. As you're saying, perhaps not going to get much game time. She's not at the level that Erin Cuthbert would have been. But it's, it's great to see for them. And Amy Muir as well would obviously be delighted to get picked. And then that obviously turned to despair with the injury on Sunday. But it's good to see, as you're saying, that these SWPL players can um, make it into the squad. And that it shows that the level and the, the women's game here is improving slowly. But it is improving, so it's, it's good to see all around. Yeah, as you mentioned, um, they both called up, called up after Erin Cuthbert and Fiona Brown that had to pull it via injury. Fiona Brown's a, a particularly bad one by the looks of things. I, I saw there was a tweet what, from a, a Swedish football account suggesting that it's, uh, it's one that could keep her anywhere between six weeks and six months out. So hopefully it's on the, the shorter end of the timescale as opposed to the longer. Um, be, before we talk about the game in general, though, that obviously, Campbell, I think it'd be remiss of us not to talk about it. It was obviously some of the stuff that came out last week in terms of... Um, the reaction after the Argentina game in, in the Scotland camp, um, there was a bit of news about it. And it was mentioned today in the, in the news press conference with Rachel Corsi, the Scotland captain, who, by the way, has an excellent podcast. If you're listening to this um, and you're listening to us talk about women's football, listen to Rachel Corsi, the Scotland captain, talk about women's football. It's about her experiences in Utah. And just listen to it. It's really good listening. She drops the occasional nugget of like gold that's really worth hanging your hat on. But she was talking in the press conference today about how they had a big a meeting. Ian Maxwell, the Ian Maxwell was president, uh, president was present um, at the at the meeting. And as far as as far as the other concerned, it's under the water under the bridge. It's not really the greatest thing to come off the back of a World Cup campaign with so much positivity to have this. And this must have been hanging over obviously the people that knew about it for a while. It's not the greatest way to to lead into a new qualifying campaign with, with so much goodwill and positivity coming out of the World Cup. No, I mean, obviously that wasn't the greatest way to go to the World Cup. Neither was the VAR decision that we're all still having nightmares about. But it's <laughs> it's good to see that they're sort of beginning to put it behind them now. And they can just focus on the Cyprus game. I mean, it's a game that they're favourites to win. Largest City have obviously beaten the separate champions last season as well when they were out there. So Scotland should go into win that game. But the fact that now they can all focus on the football and not the off-field matters should really be crucial for them, not just for this game, but for the whole uh, qualifying campaign. Yeah, now, this podcast didn't exist when the qualifying draw was made, Campbell. So uh, I spoke to you earlier on today and I said, well, let's have a, actually look at, have a look at the group as a whole because it's an in, it, it, and I use interesting far too much in these. I'm aware of that. So bear with me while I find other words in my vocabulary, which is usually pretty good. But it is an interesting group because it's not, there's nothing that's necessarily given me at the top end of it. So we'll go through each side, side by side, Campbell. And I know you've had a wee look, but I also know that I've done a wee bit more. Um, Finland are, are the, so Scotland's the top seeds, which is is a dream, especially if you follow the men's side. That, that feels like eons ago. That would even be a vague possibility. Uh, Scotland top seeds. Uh, second seeds are Finland. Um, now, interestingly, they are managed by Anna Signell, who was the former Scotland manager. She took Scotland to the Euros in 2017. Um, she's also very much credited with 
sparking this this progression for Scottish Scottish women's football and the, and the national team in particular. Um, they, they didn't qualify for the World Cup. They finished behind Spain and Austria in their qualifying group. Um, and they actually haven't qualified for the Euro since 2013, but they are previous semi-finalists. It's, in terms of a pot two team, Campbell, it's it's not one you probably would have picked, I don't think. I mean, there's no one really that you really do want to put to. They're obviously all good sides. It could have been a lot worse, but Finland, as you're saying, it will be an easy tie for them, but Scotland being the top seed and the way they've performed in some of the World Cup games, they shouldn't really be too afraid of anyone. Um, I think even with Finland being a sort of tough task for them, Scotland should still become a favourite, confident, sorry, of topping the group and making it through to the Euros in two years. Yeah, I mean, the last time Scotland played Finland was back in 2014, so it was a good while ago and it was in a friendly, so you can always never hold too much when it comes to friendlies. I'm, I'm a big believer in that, even when we're getting hammered, uh, as, as men's time often do in friendlies these days. Um, and they lost 3-1 in Finland. I think maybe the most dangerous team, though, is Portugal. Um, they're actually ranked higher than Finland at the moment. They beat Scotland at the last Euros in 2017. Uh, they, they beat Scotland 2-1. Uh, they haven't. That was the first time they'd actually qualified for Euros, and they didn't make it out of the World Cup either. They finished behind Italy, who also did very well at the World Cup in Belgium, who are on the on the up and up at the moment. But Portugal are a team that Scotland's obviously faced in fairly recent history, um, and I think probably I know said Finland aren't a team you wanted in Port Two. I would say Portugal definitely were not a team you were looking for to get in Port Three because they could easily have been that that level up. Yeah, I mean, it, was, it wasn't a great draw at all for them, as you're saying. Played each other in Euro 2017 in Holland. Uh, Portugal obviously won that one. But again, as I'm saying there before, they have come on since that, uh, since then. And the level, as we're saying, has progressed all the time. So as much as, yeah, again, it is a real tough task for them and they could have had an easier draw, obviously. But again, they'll look at that game and think, right, there's no real reason why we can't go on and win it. If Scotland play their own game, they should beat everyone in the group. But... Really, it could have been a heck of a lot easier for them. Yeah, I mean, Portugal have got players like Jessica Silva, who's moved from Levante to Lyon, who are the Galacticos of women's football. And Captain Claudio Neto has been a success in Germany for a wee while now. I think they, they maybe have more individual spark. What I'm hoping for, Campbell, I don't know about you, is I hope Scotland play Portugal somewhere that's nice and accessible via plane and it's during the nice weather season, because that's awfully tempting, I have to say. <laughs> um, looking down the group... Um, Albania are next, very familiar. Um, we've also played them in the World Cup qualifying for France. They were they were the hosts as we won that 2-1 game in Skoda and um, that sealed World Cup qualification. We know what we're going to get with Albania. We beat them 5-0 at home. Um, a bit more familiarity. They are a little bit further along, but we should really really be thinking six points as, as a minimum out of these two games, even though the argument could be made that obviously the trip to Albania last time it was a very tough one. It was made pretty tough as well by the pitch. In there, it wasn't in great condition at all. And Scotland scored early in that game. I remember watching it on BBC Alibi. Kim Little scored early on. Albania did get a goal back, but it was totally all Scotland pressure. And obviously winning 5-0 through in Paisley as well. Yes, it should be six points there against two bottom seeds in Scotland. If they can't win those games, then they don't deserve to be going through the World Cup. So you'll look at it as six points. And it's sort of two games where you'd expect them to pick up six points as well. Yeah, and that brings us on to Friday night's opponent, Cyprus, who are competing in the qualifying campaign, Campbell, for their very first time. So uh, I've been trying to do some research for an article for the website, which is getting there. Uh, but Cyprus have never ever entered the qualifying campaign. 
Um, finding information about the Cyprus national team, and I made this joke on Twitter, but I'm going to make it again, is almost as difficult as it is finding information about FC Nike Tbilisi when Hibs played them in the Champions League. But there is a little bit more information. They are uh, managed by Angela Solakis, who's a former Cypriot international. Has a little bit of experience in the Cypriot game. Um, he was manager of a, a Palm Lana Sol a few years ago. But Scotland obviously never played them before. They hosted something called the Aphrodite Cup in March, which I think is like a, a tournament beneath the, Cy- beneath the Cyprus Cup, which has a team such as Scotland competing in it. Uh, they they lost to Malta and defeated Lithuania and Estonia. Um, not necessarily the biggest lights in women's football. Um, I mean, let, let, let's say go to Friday night. Anything other than a convincing win on Friday night, Campbell is is pretty poor. And I, let's be honest, I think it's maybe something that the squad and people invested in women's football and, and rooting for it maybe need is a really convincing win on, on Friday. Which, to be honest, with you, I'm pretty sure we're going to get. In three points is obviously all you're really aiming for, but similar to the way we were discussing Celtic against St Johnston, the Cup and only winning by two goals. Scotland could only defeat the Cyprus to maybe slightly disappointed with that, but as long as they get the campaign off to a winning start, obviously it's good, but again, you're really wanting to be going and winning these games. I mean, we looked at the men's side when they played Kazakhstan and we all think we'll get a good start and suddenly three nothing defeat there. It kills it. Hopefully I don't see the women facing that sort of problem against Cyprus, but We'll just need to be professional about it and hopefully go on and win pretty comfortably on Friday night through Edinburgh. Yeah, I mean, to, to give you that an idea, there isn't any... the separates, To give you an idea of where the separate women's national team are at the moment, the separate national FA website say women's section hasn't been updated for four years. Um, their Wikipedia page, I think, has only just been created because there's no squad in it and they've only just, in the last two days, added a group in for it. Um, you mentioned obviously Glasgow City played uh, Barcelona at Football Academy, who I think have now gone out of existence by the looks of things because they're not in the, this season's uh, separate first division. Uh, but that squad that, that Glasgow City played is full of uh, internationals from other countries like um, Freda, the, the American striker, scored so many goals. So they are very much uh, new to the new to the cause and they're one of these nations that are still obviously very prevalent in, in women's football. So I, I think a, a win is, is an absolute must. Uh, anything other, I think. Campbell's a disaster. I, I, I don't care how you, how you cut it. This is a team that barely exists at the moment. That's harsh. Sorry, Cyprus. But it, it is basically the, the facts of what, what's available just now. So confident that will happen. What I'm less confident, though, in Campbell is the attendance on Friday night. And I know I'm going to rail you up here, so I'm, I'm going to try and be the, the yang to your yang here. Uh, so on Friday night at Easter Road, uh, the, the SFA obviously made a big announcement about this fact. Uh, about a month ago, um, and I'm not sure the promo- promotion of the, the game from, from the national body has been particularly great. Um, I, I put a tweet out a couple of weeks ago saying that in the time period that have taken to advertise tickets for the Scotland national men's team, which is a week after, they've done a fifth of the tweets for, for the women's team. Um, it also clashes with Scotland against Georgia and the rugby union, also in Edinburgh that night. There is the Dundee Derby, which, you know, some people care about. Don't know who would bother with the time with that. And you've also obviously got Inverness against Morton. It's a pretty clustered card it's coming up against. And I think probably the thing that really struck home to me this week was the fact that the rugby was on in Edinburgh at the same time. And it almost takes away that that magic of seeing Scotland play because something that is far more established, and we can argue about that whether that's true or not, something that's far more established is going to be overshadowed in Edinburgh on Friday night by the rugby and from a television's perspective, 
BT Sport have shown they don't really are that bothered about women's football in Scotland, so why they would change something for, for that, I, I don't understand. But a Dundee Derby is a big draw television-wise, and I've got some concerns that the the positivity that the announcement of Easter Road as a venue brought is going to be tempered somewhat by... I've got concerns about the crowd cam. I think that's probably the, the, safest, the safest way to put it. Yeah, I mean, the fact the BBC have obviously been putting on a lot of the Scottish Championship games as well, with the earlier kickoff to suit the nine, which in itself is bad enough. So I think of an Inverness against Morton on folk travelling from Greenock up to that up to Inverness is just stupid for a Friday night in the first place. To have that on 40 minutes before the Dundee Derby as well, obviously Inverness and Morton fans are going to go and support their own team, but a lot of them would like to see the Dundee Derby because it's the big game in the league there. Um, you've then got a 13,500 sell out to Tanadice as well, which means a lot of folk there. You've got some United Dundee fans who are not interested in women's football and may well have been at Easter Road, self-included, um, to watch the Scotland game, won't be there. And then, as you say, you think maybe in the capital, folk are not, not so interested in the United game that they are then uh, going to go to uh, the Scotland women. But instead, they then put the rugby on as well, as you say. It's it's all a bit stupid, really. I mean, obviously, a lot of these organisations, there's no real obligation for them to change it for other things. But even if the SFA had perhaps put that game on on Sunday evening or Saturday evening, something just a wee bit different, but it's, I mean, ultimately, folk are going to go and watch what they want to watch, but I think the crowd may well be slightly smaller than it may well have been had it not clashed with all these other events the same night. I think the big thing for me is actually the, the Easter Road factor, and it's nothing against Easter Road as a venue. I think it'd actually make a really good women's football venue. It has done for a Bernie in the past, and it will do for them in, in the Champions League in the next coming weeks. But I think the probably thing for me is Scottish Rugby announced their fixtures well in advance and where the venue is going to be. So when the SFA came to this decision to play that game at Easter Road, it was done with the knowledge, now whether the knowledge was sought, but the knowledge was available that Scotland Rugby were playing in Edinburgh at the same time. Scotland have always obviously played games recently at St Mirren in Paisley. And I, in retrospect now, after being very pro-Easter Road when the announcement was made, I'm of the opinion that if I had actually sought out that knowledge about Scotland playing in Edinburgh and the rugby, I would be playing it back at Paisley. Um, I think you would then create that differentiation as somewhere that Scotland has established as having a fan base. I, I was I was big on shooting for the stars, but I just don't think the the announcement has been followed up by the appropriate action to to meet that. And hopefully, and I, I really do hope, and I encourage anybody who is in the area that can go, please go. Um, I'll be there by hook or by crook somehow, uh, in what capacity is to be confirmed. But um, I'll definitely be there. And I think if if that is the case, then, yeah, I mean, we would have kept it in Paisley, but hopefully it's a good crowd. Campbell, uh, I kind of skipped a bit, which is talking about the actual team for Friday night. Um, it's a pretty established squad that's been called up. We've obviously mentioned some of the new names uh, that have come into it. Do you see the team going out being much different from the team that finished the game against Argentina? Or are you expecting maybe a couple of the more recent call-ups, people like Rachel McLaughlin, Lucy Graham, maybe get, getting a run out? I'd imagine Shelley Kerr at the minute would keep it as a very similar side to the team that played against Argentina in Paris back in May, back in June, sorry. Um, so, I mean, I don't see too many major changes. Maybe Rachel McLaughlin coming in and at right back, because that was a sort of problem there for Scotland where some games at right back and left back were sort of changing it but I don't see maybe not starting the game sorry but I, I think it'll be pretty much sort of side you would expect it should pick itself maybe one or two surprises but I don't think there'll be too much for this game yet because they want to get the campaign 
off to as good a start as possible so you'd imagine they play as strong a side as possible for the first game. Yeah, I think so too. As I said, I think it's really important, especially given some of the shenanigans. I'm going to call it shenanigans because that's it's unnecessary stuff that seems to have come out and um, that's happened. Uh, I think it's really important to get off to a strong start. And I think against Cyprus, it's basically as close to a free hit they could have got in the group stage, Campbell. So I really hope they take advantage of that. But Friday night, 7.35 kickoff at Easter Road. Tickets are £5 and £2. You can get them via the SFA website. Be warned, it takes you to the Hibernian website to get the tickets, which confused me a little bit, I'm not going to lie. Um, you can get them in the e-version and download and print, and you can also get them at the ground on the day, but uh, anybody who went to the game at Hamden as a fan will know that that might be a bit risky, but given concerns about the crowd, it should be okay. Um, I think that wraps up for this week, Campbell. I can't, I can't think of anything else. Um, thank you very much for joining me. We'll probably be obviously talking about the Scotland game next week. There are as a couple of SWPL fixtures up just now, I believe that Celtic are playing still in university and Glasgow Girls Against Hearts is already lined up on the SWF website for this weekend. But that is, as we have found to our cost in a couple of occasions, subject to change. We'll just keep a wee eye on that. But Campbell, thanks very much for joining me. Um, it's a pleasure as always. Yeah, thanks again. And thank you very much for listening. If you are listening to this, tell all your friends, talk about women's football, listen to Rachel Corsi one. Uh, there's also a Lower League Rambling with Danny Denham. Uh, he has a, an hour-long interview with Joel Murray, the Hibernian captain, so we'll listen to that as well. But give them five stars, give us five stars, and thank you very much for listening. Speak to you again soon.